The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. All right, so there is a reason why this table is here, and it is because today we've kind of been teasing this for a few weeks. Um, we've been going through our series that we've been calling The Songs We Sing, talking about what worship is and, in many ways, what worship is not. And over the last couple weeks, we decided that we wanted to be really intentional about how we communicate why we gather together specifically during the 1015. And we know that, that the things that we do as Westway like Westway isn't just a place where you can come on a Sunday morning at 10:15 to get plugged in and involved, but um, our goal as church leadership is to equip you, the body, to do the good works that God has set out for us to do. And so this morning, we're going to continue that conversation, and I'm going to invite all the pastors to come up on stage at this time, and as they're walking up, I'm going to just give the obligatory, we're all wearing the same shirt, so we'll get that out of the way. Um, a few weeks ago, our wives decided they wanted to, to be fun and without us knowing, bought us all the same shirt and tried to get it to where we would unknowingly wear them all on the same Sunday. And it worked, except John was out of town the Sunday that they had planned it for. So the three of us, Joe and Zane and I all wore our shirts and John missed out on that. So we thought, what a better time than when we're all gonna be on stage at the same time to give our wives the pleasure of seeing us all in the same shirt on the same week, which was the goal. So there you go, yeah. That gave it, you guys just enough time to get on stage. All right, so we're gonna be really informal with this this morning. Uh, we've been calling this our pastor panel. And so what my job is, is to kind of keep the, the conversation moving, but really um, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the same three scriptures that we talked about the last two weeks. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and then Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And um, I'm going to read those verses for us, and then we're going to kind of jump around from pastor to pastor. And our goal today is that you would walk away hearing... Um, many ways that, that we are trying to live out these things in the ministries that we represent at Westway. So we all represent different ministry areas. I am in charge of the, the creative arts ministry. Zane is over family ministries. Joe is over adult ministries. And then John is the, is the lead pastor here at, at Westway. So he kind of oversees all of us, but one of his big roles is the preaching and teaching. And so one of my hopes is that as we talk um, we, we use a phrase here at Westway all the time. It's unity, not uniformity. So one of the things that unites us as leadership and all of us as the body is scripture. And that's what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. How do we take scripture and really, like, scripture should be the base of everything that we do here at Westway. And today you're going to hear different perspectives on just that. So you hear the unity that comes. We're all basing everything we do from the same place, but we're not all uniform in the way that we do that. So the way that I run the creative arts ministry may be a little bit different than the way Zane does things in family ministry and Joe in adult ministry and John with the preaching and teaching. You should see some similarities, but you're also gonna see some differences as well. So hope this is encouraging for you and we're just gonna jump in and get started. I'm gonna start with Acts 2. starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, John, I know you kind of teased a little bit when you posted the YouTube link um, talking about some of the the history and how you um, were taught to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. So I'm just going to turn things over to you, and you can kind of share a little more about that. Yeah. Um, So as you said, I I teased this a little bit yesterday on my Facebook page. I grew up in the church, spent several years away from the church, was not a follower of Christ. And you've probably heard kind of the big picture if you've been here. um, Probably a year, you've probably heard that big picture of the story. But when we started going to Marysville Christian Church, we were invited there by someone else, Marysville Christian Church in Marysville, Ohio. And for me, that was an that was an opportunity to get reconnected with God. It was an opportunity to get reconnected with Christianity. There was something that I knew was missing in my life. So that so getting back together, getting back to church was was the thing that fit the bill. And the thing that I wasn't expecting was that I was going to have my life changed there. There was a really big difference between um, going, going back to church, maybe to find meaning and purpose in my life, and having my life change. Those are two very different, um, two very different things. And I, from the very first Sunday that we were at Marysville Christian Church, and whether it was Dave Hubert uh, as, the, as the senior minister there, or Nathan Pugh as the youth minister there, they always preached from the Bible. And that caused a tremendous amount of uh, anxiety for me because I didn't know what to do with it. I had grown up in a church. I'd heard the Bible before, but I never really heard the Bible taught and expounded upon and explained in such a way that it, that it penetrated my soul. And we read that in the Bible, that that's, that's what the sword of the sort of, um, the, word, the word does is it penetrates us. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts into the bone and marrow, and it gets to the heart of the matter. And that was something that I really experienced for the first time there. And it wasn't just the first Sunday I went there. It was every single Sunday I went there. I kept hearing this, God, this God's word more and more and more, and it caused so much tension and anxiety, not just in my life, but in but in Anne's life, and we went home and we talked about it, and we were trying to figure out what was going on, because again, we both grew up in the church, and we were wondering why we hadn't ever heard the kinds of things that we were hearing from, from this pastor, from these two pastors preaching to us, and it really had a profound effect on us. Um, God used this, the spoken word, um, reading the written word, to change our lives. And it was through that that we, we became followers of Christ, and un, unbeknownst to me, I was going to really model the way that uh, I hope I teach based on Dave Hubert and Nathan Pugh, which is, we just want to read scripture. I, I wonder if you noticed there was something really kind of interesting that just happened even a moment ago when Cody said he was going to read Acts 2, 42 to 47. I want you to notice that all four of us have a Bible have our own Bibles, and we each read it. And that's not because um, we don't know what it says, but because what you have in front of you this morning is four people who are dedicated to Scripture. 
who are so dedicated to scripture that when Cody's reading it, we're going to read it together. In Acts chapter 17, Paul talks about a group of people known as the Bereans. And they were more, I'm going to flip ahead here to Acts chapter 17. This is not in you version. Um, the Bereans were, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. See, this is our responsibility as Christians. It is your responsibility, your responsibility to read your Bibles when we read our Bibles. You are our check. You are our accountability. This is the way this works, and you ought to ask questions when things, when things differ. And that was, a, that was kind of the space that I was steeped in at Marysville Christian Church. It was a place where we could go, we could hear God's word proclaimed, and if we had questions, we went to our small group and we asked them. And there was no stupid question except for the one that isn't asked. That was something that made me. So if, you, if you're here at Westway and you're wondering, like, why do, we stick to re, why do we stick to most of the time reading through books of the Bible? That's why, because that's what we did at Marysville. Because there's lots of things that we could talk about. And, and we, don't, we have Christmas series and we have summer series where we do some things a little bit differently. But I want you to notice that over the last three weeks, these three sets of texts have been our anchor texts. We always are going to come back to Scripture. And that's something that's very important to me because I know the power of it. And my hope for you is that when you hear God's word proclaimed to you and over you by myself or, or any of our pastors or anyone who is speaking here, that you'll be transformed by it. Because it has the power to do that. Because that, it did that for me. And I'm so thankful for, for guys like Dave Huber and Nathan Pugh who just, just read the Bible and just talked about the Bible and were faithful in that. Because that's something that changed my life. And my hope for you is that you will be changed and transformed by that. So that's when I think about Acts 2.42 devo devoted to the, the apostles teaching. That's, that's my answer to that question. That's great. Yeah, I'm going to, there it is. I'm going to piggyback off of uh, kind of what John said from the creative arts perspective. There's a few phrases that stick out to me um, from those verses. In verse 44, it says that all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. Um, in verse 47, it says that all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And then that very first thing that John mentioned, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Um, when you look at one of, the, one of my big responsibilities is, is programming for um, the 1015 specifically and then some other things that we do. And as I read through those verses specifically in Acts, there's a lot of elements, and we talked about this last week, that, that you should hopefully see when we gather together. Um, we praise God through song. Um, that's uh, growing up, similar to John, he, he was really connected into church through Scripture. One of the things that pulled me in um, growing in the church, growing up in the church, was the music. And um, especially when I was younger, and I a lot of the stuff that we talked about that they preached about on a Sunday morning kind of went over my head as a little young kid. Um, I was able to connect with the music and the songs that we sang when they were put to music would stick in my mind. And what I began to notice over time was as I was reading, singing these songs, I would be reading something in scripture and saying, that's funny. Like, that's from this song. 
when in reality, it's backwards. The, the songs that I was singing were directly rooted in scripture. And so as, as I think about what I would love for the creative arts ministry at Westway, that comes to mind for me. Um, my hope would be that everything we do in the creative arts ministry would be rooted in scripture. But even more than that, everything we do when we gather together from the songs that we sing to um, communion to everything would just be following the example that's laid out for us in scripture. And one of the ways that we seek to do that specifically is it's taken us eight weeks to actually talk about the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, even though we named the series that. But um, like every song that we sing on, on Sunday here at Westway, um, my hope is that it is rooted in scripture. And you would be able to go through line by line and pick out words in songs that are directly taken from somewhere in scripture. And uh, we, we just actually met together with a lot of my, my team leads in the creative arts ministry, and we sat down and kind of looked at all the songs that we're singing and um, pared that down to a smaller set um, so that we could sing fewer songs that you guys in the body are all able to connect with more the more often we, see, the, the more often we sing songs, the easier it is to connect with those songs. But the other thing that we talked about is like when we add a new song, what are some of the criteria that we need to go through? And number one on that list is, does this song line up with the truth of scripture? And if it doesn't, then it's out. If it does, then we kind of go on down the list of, is it, is it something the body can connect with? Is it something that we can tie into what we're talking about on a Sunday morning specifically? And so on and so forth. But I think the biggest thing is that, that same thing. How do we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to scripture? It's by using scripture as a filter for everything else that we do within the creative arts ministry. John mentioned small groups, and I know you kind of perked up, Dad, when he said that. So I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking Cody had stole my thunder earlier too, but um, one of the things that I get to do here at Westway is to organize the small groups, and as Cody said, when we're done here in, in the auditorium after the service, um, you can meet me behind the sound booth at the table, and we have small groups for every night of the week except, I think, Saturday, and so... Um, place for you to sign up and get your name on the list of a small group. The reason that we do that, and I want to go back to what John was talking about um, when he was talking about the impact that the scripture had on him. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I grew up hearing the scripture day in and day out. We talked about scripture in our house. Um, the youngest of nine, we, music, as Cody said, touched us greatly because we traveled around northeast Nebraska and sang as a family, nine kids and two adults, or two, a mom and dad. And um, I heard scripture sung. I heard scripture um, talked about. But one of the things I remember best was <laughs> when mom and dad would have neighbors come over. They'd been to a concert or they'd maybe visited church and had a question about scripture. And it wasn't always um, when dad was there, mom might have been the one to answer the questions. And it wasn't just when mom was there, dad might have been the ones to answer the question. But what they would do is they would pull out the Bible, sit down at the dining room table, invite any of us kids that were there to join them 
And we would have a small group right there around the dining room table or the kitchen table and answer questions from God's word. To me, that's the value of this term called small group, where we can go together and search the scriptures together. And a big part of that time is listening to what God has to say to each of us. And it's discipling that takes place. Uh, in this Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I was privileged to grow up in an environment where people would come after church and our table was huge and we would have extra kids and extra people at our table after church on Sunday mornings um, and sometimes they'd come for ice cream after church on Sunday night and we would fellowship, we would break bread together. Sometimes we would have church services within our home and share communion together, the Lord's Supper. That's the environment that we desire for you. That your homes become a place where people come and can be discipled. Together, we encourage one another and build each other up. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but in that, we, showed, we shared great joy and generosity with each other. When there was a need, we met it together as a group. So um, that's one of, the, one of the things that really jumps out at me from this passage is, um, to me, that's where real discipleship takes place. I am, wow, I am very excited about what's going to be happening here at Westway pretty soon. Actually, today's the 31st, and we start on August 31st, so in one month, we are starting this Wednesday night program that's going to be more than just student ministry. There's going to be a children's ministry, a student ministry. There's going to be small groups that are going to meet here. It's going to be a time for all these ages to come in fellowship because just like it says in Acts where they shared meals together and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, that's what we're going to be doing here on Wednesday nights also. When John and I started talking about what is Wednesday nights going to look like? And the question came up, is there going to be a meal? I'm not going to lie. The first thing that popped to my head is that's a lot more work that we're going to have to find volunteers for. We're going to have to buy food. Someone's going to have to make the food. That was a fleeting thought because that's biblical that we get a chance to eat together. We get to share life together. And it's not going to be... A bunch of grown-ups are going to sit at one table, and a bunch of second graders are going to sit at... We're going to be together. We're going to have a mixture of people at each table doing life together. I had an old pastor one time say... He would always ask the question, what's the most important... Where's the most important place in the church? And his answer is always, the kitchen table. Because that's like what Joe was saying. That's where life happens, and life is going to happen in the gym during those meals, just like life happened to the early Christians in Acts. And I know in my experience, yeah, you can be in a small group, and you can have deep conversations and stuff like that, 
but growing up, a lot of my meaningful conversation wasn't my parents seeking those out. It was we were eating dinner and I said something and that led to one thing and that led to one thing and that led to one thing. And I'm so excited for that to happen in the gym in these coming uh, for the for this Wednesday night program. And it's going to be very awesome when I get to see a first grader going through some problems and there's a sophomore in high school who's sitting there that has gone through the same thing and I get to witness a sophomore in high school disciple a first grader because they've all been there and that is just, I'm very much looking forward to witnessing that. Yeah, one of the, if you look through our mission, vision, values and preferred culture at Westway, um, one of those is to make every disciple, every environment a discipleship environment. And I think that what Joe talked about and Zane talked about are both um, our goal through small groups, through all of our programming, that that would be able to happen. Um, did you see some similar themes between all of us? Unity, not uniformity, because we're all a little bit different too. Let's move on to, to Hebrews chapter 10. This is verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'll just go ahead and throw it to John. Yeah, just reading that for me. Verse, verse 24. Um, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. One of the things we've talked about a number of times over the past couple years is the way that the Bible is a mirror, right? It reflects accurately the reality of who we are back upon us. We read scripture and we see re the reality of humanity and it reflects the accurate accuracy of, of who God is. And one of the things, um, as a person who's been involved and engaged in a church now for uh, a really long time, since 1995, um, and then involved in church leadership since about 2002, one of the things that I've noticed um, as a mirror is, is the in humanity, apart from what God is doing, we don't want to, we don't want to do acts of love and good works. Like, that's just a base thing. Like, we don't want to do these things. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges that, that the church faces is the reality of a humanity that just doesn't want to serve. The reality of a humanity that doesn't want to do acts of love. So for us, we have to Think about how we're going to do that. How are we going to challenge and how are we going to exhort and how are we going to encourage? And I think, what does, what does the Bible say? I, we, we can't come away from Scripture, from an honest reading of Scripture, and think that each one of us does not have a role to play within the church. If we're reading that in scripture, we're, there's something that we're missing. So each one of us in each one of our roles, we, we go about thinking of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Um, I exhibit that. Most Sundays when I teach, you're going to hear me talk about serving. So again, if you're wondering why we talk about that all the time, well, it's something the Bible talks about all the time. 
Zane said something really interesting a moment ago as he was as as he was as he was thinking of how he was going to debate me on whether or not we were going to have meals on Wednesday nights. I wonder if you heard it. He said, "Well, I looked in the Bible and it's biblical." Period. Like what does the Bible have to say? This ought to be the thing that this ought to be the thing that motivates us. We should not leave it up to the eloquence of a pastor or the ability of a pastor to give me a motivational speech to serve. I'm going to say that again. We should not leave it up to the eloquence of a pastor or to serve as a motivational speaker to get you to serve. Like we should just read the Bible and see that God's people serve. And that ought to be enough. And I long, like I just long for a day. And I think we're, honestly, I think we're, I think we're getting there. Over the past couple weeks, as we've talked about what's going to happen on Wednesday night, it is getting easier and easier and easier to, to get people to serve. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. But man, there are some holdouts. So we're going to keep talking about serving. And if that's going to irritate you, if that's going to bother you, we're just going to keep talking about serving. Because it is our job to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So when any one of us talks about serving, we're just being obedient to the Bible. If you disagree with what we're doing, then really you're disagreeing with the Bible. I want to encourage you to just let God's word be enough for you and not depend on the way I talk about it or the way any of our pastors talk about it. Just let God's word speak to you. I love the phrase that is in the last verse there. It says to encourage one another. And uh, I was blessed... Like I've, I've been on staff here at Westway for just over a year now, and one of the things that I loved when I came, was coming up to visit was how I saw that lived out. Um, I was able to come and see uh, praise team rehearsals, see like the creative arts team together in, the, in different settings, and one of the things that I noticed was how encouraging they were to each other. And so like th- that's what comes to mind for me, and it was something that honestly, it was already in place before I got here, and it was one of those things. Sometimes you come into a new role and you see all the things that you would like to change. This was not one of those things. Um, I see this organically on our teams. Um, every week, the, the band, the praise team, meets together on Thursday nights for a rehearsal. But before rehearsal, um, we'll sit down and the first five or so minutes are usually just people sitting talking about life. Um, getting to know each other a little bit better, talking about things that are happening in their lives, and um, they're able to use that as an opportunity to encourage each other. Um, Sometimes we have a team member that's going through a rough patch in life, and we can just gather around them and support them and lift them up and just be alongside them throughout that process. Um, We also spend an intentional time before rehearsal on Thursday nights and on Sunday mornings with our teams, um, digging into the word and going through um, just a a time of of relationship building with each other, but also a devotional time that we can um, go closer to each other and closer, closer to God. So you talked about small groups. 
Um, we kind of operate as a lot of mini small groups within the creative arts team. Um, we're split into four teams, and every week those teams come together and accomplish those things, encouraging each other as we meet together. And then I think of like the body corporately. Um, I was talking to my brother a few weeks ago, and um, he was saying some of the things that they were doing in his ministry. He serves in a, a similar role to me at a different church in Omaha. And he said, um, like, one of the things he loves about singing is um, how encouraging and uplifting it can be for other people in the body. And I know that I've experienced that on stage. It's fun to be able to look out, and sometimes it's dangerous <laughs> for me when I'm singing to be able to look out and... <laughs> I just can't sing because I see someone lifting their hands or really just caught up in praising God. And I, and I know that um, we talked about like worship being a response to what God has done in our lives. And as I look out at the body, Like, it's encouraging to me to see that. And so that's a huge way we talk about, like, last week we talked about how we all have a part to play. And you all, the body, have a huge part to play in encouraging each other in the room. And sometimes it's as simple as just doing what you would normally do. Lifting your hands, praising God. Other people around you see that, and they can be encouraged by that in that moment. And I know I've seen that, and I hope that you all have experienced that as well. So, in this passage in Hebrews, we see words like motivate one another um, to acts of love and good works. Another translation says good deeds or good service. Um, and one of the things that we are trying to do here at Westway is to involve each of you in those acts. Uh, building ministry teams is part of, part of my job here at Westway, um, what I get to do. And um, helping the team leaders be equipped to take their teams and make each, each moment a discipling moment and, and give people opportunity to use their talents and their abilities. I want to ask a question. How many of you were here when we did the food pack, either one of these last years? How many of you have been involved in the food pack? Did you enjoy it? Yes. It is so fun to look around that, that gymnasium full of people standing side by side, grandparents beside first graders, um, working together to serve somebody that we don't know. Where that effort that we put together on one Sunday morning is going to go and help somebody somewhere that doesn't have a meal. That, to me, is what it's about. But also it's about maybe somebody out here that we know gets their house burned down this week. And it's his small group organizing a team of people to go out and clean up. That to me is what the body of Christ is about. We've seen examples of that around the country. Um, when the tornadoes went through Joplin, Missouri a while back, one of the headlines that I kept hearing over and over is the churches have jumped up to help these people in this community. 
That ought to be second nature, as John said earlier, in us because of our love for each other and for the body of Christ. And so our desire here at Westway is that we don't neglect meeting together, but that we come together either here or in those small groups and we get to know each other so well that they don't even have to tell us when they're struggling with something. We see it because we're in relationship with them. And the group then jumps up and says, how can we help you? Let's do something about this together. Or maybe they come and say, I have a brother or sister that's struggling. Can we, can we help them out? To me, that's what this is about. It's about our family, the body of Christ, coming together to love and encourage others. And that's the part that I get to be involved in. I remember going and helping um, with some, some neighbors of ours when their house burned down and um, running inside, pulling out furniture. And um, the water was dripping from the ceiling because it was, it was uh, the fire department was there. But we were still going in and out, and it was a neighborhood thing. That atmosphere is a little different today than it used to be when I was growing up, but it's still there if we initiate it. And I think that's the part the, the body of Christ ought to be involved in. I want to start off by saying that I absolutely love my leaders, and I know that I wouldn't be able to do my job if it wasn't for my leaders. And part of my job is I don't want to be a dictator, I guess. I don't want to make all the decisions and be like, this is what we're doing, either my way or the highway. And so I, I really enjoy encouraging my leaders so that they feel like that they are a part of the ministry, that they're just not there to help me, but they are, like, they can own it also. And ways I do that is um, this Wednesday night thing coming up. Like I said, we have children and we have youth, and I can't be in two places at one time. And so I have, I've talked with someone, and I someone that I trust, and she has agreed that she's going to run the children's portion of it, and I'm going to be there with her, walking beside her, and helping her, but I'm not going to be there on Wednesday nights. But all the behind-the-scene works, I am walking with her and helping and encouraging her and equipping her so she is able to run our children's program on Wednesday nights, and I'm very excited to see God work through that. And then at youth group, there are nights that I'm not there, and I'm sure that there are youth pastors out there that are like, well, I'm not going to be there, so we're canceling tonight. Um, I can't be there, so that's not what we do at Westway. I don't even come to one of the pastors. I don't come to them and say, hey, I'm not going to be there Wednesday night. Can you cover the message? I go to my leaders that are already there every Wednesday night investing in the lives of the kids, and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be there. Will you give the message? And there's even been one time so far, I'm sure it'll happen again, where I went to a youth and I said, hey, I'm not going to be here on this Wednesday. Will you give the message? And so having the people involved in the ministry, I want them to know that this is their ministry also. And I'm there to help equip them, to encourage them, to help guide them along. And if the day ever comes where I become a dictator in my ministries, my leaders, I know, will step up and say, Zane, stop. 
And so, and I love that about my leaders. All right, we're gonna flip forward to, well, back, I guess, in your New Testament, uh, to Ephesians, talk about chapter four. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and read that, and then we're gonna do what we have been in briefly. You get four pastors on stage and have them hold to one sermon time, and it's a little rough sometimes, but we're gonna close with this, this last section of scripture from Ephesians. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind, every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try and trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of, the, of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Um, at the very beginning of verse 11, it lists off a bunch of, of roles. And um, one of those roles is pastors and teachers. And then right after that, it says, their responsibility, or as we've been talking about this this last week, we, we've said, my job is to, and so we're going to fill in the blank there. So John, when you think about this, your job is to what? Yeah, when I read this, uh, my job is to make sure we're unified in the faith and knowledge of Jesus leading to maturity. So you can see how that ties into preaching and teaching, right? My job here is, is to is to preach and teach to help us all become unified in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus so that we all become more mature. That's, I think this is really my, my job description. Um, a couple ways um, that we do that. You know, we've, we, we've been creating these series resource guides over the past several years. Um, you'll be able to get your Romans guide today. Uh, we are limited in number because of a copyright issue, so you make you want to make sure you grab one today. Um, these these resource guides not only have background information and what's happening in Rome and all of those kinds of things, but they also have the text of the Book of Romans in there, and that's the copyright portion for us. So we're going to do this because we want to equip you. We really feel like it's important that that just like all four of us are up here reading from our Bibles, that you're reading from a Bible. Um, I would encourage you, when you are reading your, your, your text in this, you might have your own Bible open. Like, that might be a check for you. That might be a way for you to make sure that we are, we are teaching accurately. See, this is, this is your responsibility. Um, I mean, it says on here that we won't be tossed and blown about, we won't be influenced when people try to trick us. I think one of the things we lose sight of is that there are people who are trying to trick us. There are people who are trying to lead us astray. Our spirit, we have a spiritual enemy that would like nothing more than for you to believe something that's not true. So we have, we have responsibility. This is a tool. The other thing that you'll pick up today, um, kind, of the, kind of the as you read, some things to help you read through the text, and then on the back is the, is the schedule for our whole Roman series. And I just want to encourage you I want to encourage you to be here over the next several months as we go through 
um, the book of Romans. I want to encourage you to, to make it an effort to be present um, as we go through this. And then the second part is ensure we're speaking the truth in love. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this part of the text um, over, the past, over the past month and a half. When we went through our series on the church at Ephesus several years ago, we talked about how we probably know more about the church at Ephesus than any other church in the New Testament. We see it being formed in the book of Acts. We see Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We see First and Second Timothy, Paul's letters to the pastor at the church in Ephesians. We see First, Second, and Third John, all written from Ephesus. Um, and then we can read in the book of Revelation chapter 2, kind of the end of the story. And what's so fascinating, when you read all of the things from Acts through Ephesians through First and Second Timothy, um, there's so much emphasis on speaking the truth. Being on the lookout for false teachers. And what's most fascinating about that is then in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus tells the church, you guys do great at speaking the truth. You hold firmly to the truth. But you have forgotten your first love. See, there's a way to be so, in, so in, engaged in the truth that we forget the love. And this is what's been on my mind over the past several weeks. I am extremely overcommitted to the truth. And sometimes I wonder when I'm talking about the truth, I wonder if you feel loved. I would encourage you to pray for me in that. As I think about my own, just my own deficits, you know, it's really easy to get up here and say, don't depend on my eloquence to get you to serve. That sounds really, really harsh. It, it's true. But we also want to love. And what I want, I want you to experience from, from me and from our other pastors, I want, you, I want you to experience the truth. I want you to know that there is truth out there and it's knowable. It's a person named Jesus. And I also want you to feel loved. I want you to know that, that I love you and I care about you. And my and I get overzealous on truth. You can pray for me and that would be, would be absolutely fantastic. So we mentioned this briefly last week, but John mentioned it earlier too. Like when I read this, um, I see some roles defined here. And it's our role as pastors and teachers to equip God's people, who would be you all and us included, um, our main role here as pastors, in, in my mind, would be to do that, to equip you all to do work. That doesn't mean that we're not doing work, but it means that we all have a part to play in this. And as I was thinking about this from a creative arts perspective, um, my goal, um, Westway has a mission, vision, values, and preferred culture that we have here. And if you look out on the wall in the lobby, it says our mission is to proclaim Christ. And so really everything that we do is because of that mission and trying to accomplish that mission. And uh, when I look at that from a creative arts perspective, I view our creative arts team as like a subgroup under that mission statement. So it's our job as creative arts um, team members 
to proclaim Jesus. And the way that we do that um, is by using the gifts and the, the talents and the abilities that God has blessed us with to do that. And so we have been immensely blessed at Westway to have so many gifted musicians, gifted vocalists, um, people that are way smarter than me when it comes to um, audio and tech stuff. Um, and our goal is to use all of those gifts that we've been given as a, um, a means, a vessel, to communicate God's love to people. And uh, I've been encouraged throughout my time here. Um, one of the things that we talk about often uh, is like we have many people that just can't be here physically with us in this room. They're homebound uh, due to health issues or, or various other things. And I talk about this with our, our creative arts team, specifically the, the tech team all the time. How awesome is it that we have been, that we have the technology available to us to include someone that wishes they could be here with us on a Sunday morning, but can't. We have the ability to include them in what's going on here at Westway. And as we've been reaching out to, to our homebound people consistently over the last few weeks, we hear that from them. How thankful they are that they can still be a part of what's going on at Westway even though they can't be here physically with us. And uh, so that, that's our goal. And the other thing that we hear consistently is new people, before they come experience Westway during the 1015, most of the time they'll get online and look at our website, and then they'll get on YouTube and see what we're all about. And there are some new people that that's their first experience with us is online in a digital environment. And then if they feel comfortable with what's going on with the, the teaching and all of the things that we're doing, then they feel comfortable to come and be a part of that in person. So um, all of these things in my mind are ways that we can proclaim Jesus to those in our community. So as Cody talks about equipping his team, um, part of my job is to equip the team leaders um, so that they can equip their teams. And so um, Cody mentioned in the welcome this morning about that little word serve that you can text if you're interested in being part of the team. If you do that, you're going to get connected with one of those team letter leaders. So if you're interested in serving in the garden um, team, you, you could be connected with the leader for that. If you're interested in being a greeter, you'd get connected to the team leader there. If you love to cook or help cook, you would be connected with the leader for the food ministry team. Um, if you're into worship arts stuff, you would be connected with Cody and he would pass you on down the line that way. So that's part of my job is helping you get connected with them, but more than that, equipping those team leaders so that they have the tools that they need to be able to equip their teams. Um, another thing uh, that is my job here at Westway is to provide opportunities for people to come together in small groups, and we've already talked about that. And if you're interested in being more involved and being connected and building relationships with other people and with Christ in a small group, in fact, if you're not interested, do it anyway, because I think you will be interested if you try it. Please meet me back there behind um, the the sound booth in the lobby. Um, I covered the table on purpose 
because some of you knew this was going to happen today and you wanted to run out there and put your name on a list. Um, there may not be a lot of room for a few minutes when we're done here um, for you to sign up for a small group, but that's awesome. And we'll make sure that you can get plugged in with a small group. Um, that is the place where relationships are built um, there and in our ministry teams. And so that's, that's part of my job. My job here at Westway is to equip families to be able to disciple their own children. In Ephesians 4, 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Not to scare the families out here, but that is your responsibility when it comes to children. Us four, we don't have time to go and sit at your kitchen tables every night for a meal to help you disciple your children. And so that is why it is my job to equip you to be able to do that. Because, man, I get on Facebook or Twitter and I see these things that people post and I'm like, how are people who don't have a firm foundation in Christ going to survive? Because there are wind of new teachings almost every single day out there on the internet. And I'm not trying to scare anyone saying, don't let your kids on the internet. But if you teach them what the truth is, then they'll read that and be like, oh, that's not true. If you help them build that foundation in Jesus, then every wind of the new teaching isn't going to shake them because they know where their foundation is found. And then ways that I do that, that I help out you guys, is I do a monthly email where I have encouragement and equipping for you to pass on to your, to your uh, kids or to your grandkids. And I have moved around a lot in my life, and I've gone to many different churches. And I've never been to a church that within one calendar year had a grandparenting summit and a family life workshop for parents. And we at Westway, since I have been here, it's been less than a year, almost a year, but not quite. We have done both of those already. We are shoveling opportunities for you to be equipped. And at the end of the day, it's your job to take that encouragement, that equipping that we're giving you and passing that on to your family and something I'm very excited about I'm plugging myself like Joe said because he covered the uh, signups one of the uh, a small group that I'll be leading is visionary parenting and so it's just another avenue that if you have kids just to learn more on how to disciple your children and that's that's my job here at Westway and so I hope that as we were sitting up here, all four of us, I think it's funny, Cody said we're unified but not uniformed as we're all wearing the same shirt. So you can bring that up to, uh, you can bring that up to Cody. But no, we are. I hope you saw that as pastors of the church that we are unified and that uniform comes from what scripture says. And we don't just follow John because he has the word lead in front of his name. Like if he says something, we look and make sure that it's biblical. 
And so I would like to invite you now to a time of communion. As I said, we have been talking about being unified as one body. When we as a church are unified as one body, then the things that God can do through us is going to be absolutely amazing. And one of those things that we can do to show that we are unified is communion. You see, it doesn't matter if you are young or old, if you're a new Christian or if you've been a Christian for 50 years, a Democrat or a Republican, male, a female, or if this is your very first time at Westway or you have been attending here forever, communion is an opportunity for believers to unify as one and to proclaim Christ as Lord and give thanks to what he did, what he did for us. I'm going to read Luke 22, 19 through 20. Verse 19 says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the bread. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. You can take, you can take the cup. I would like to extend the invitation to take some time for self-reflection and personal prayer. Father God, Lord, you are a great and mighty God, and I want to thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us, Lord, and Father, I thank you that you have given us a church body, Lord, a family that we can come together and celebrate you and grow closer to you, Lord, and I pray that we become unified as one, Lord, that you are the head and that we follow you and what your word says. Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for not staying in the tomb, but rising again, Lord, and giving us your spirit. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.